0: Stupid like zone record <laughs> thing. All right. There we go. So how's it been, my friend? It's been a been a hot minute.
1: It's it's been it's been going. It's pretty good. Uh I'm I'm optimistic about things. I'll, I'll say that there's some things I'm not thrilled with going on, which that's not NASCAR or motorsports sports related, but uh can't really get into some of that. But otherwise, things are going good. Things are going good.
0: Good man. Um so First of all dude you know obviously you know this but not many people know this like you have been pretty much my like main mentor and source of just my I don't know my guiding arrow through my journey as like (laughs) like being taking this as a you know real career path as opposed to just you know being a weekend warrior so like first of all dude can never thank you enough for all that (laughs) like all my stupid questions and all my like the little pep talks you gave me before dover when i was just like losing my crap like
1: (laughs) yeah i i I remember some of that i remember some of that um first off there's no such thing as a dumb question I, i always say that uh granted the only dumb question is the one that you don't ask which what i mean by that is essentially what dave moody says when you question yourself, does this question have to be asked? And am I the one who has to ask that question? So if the answer is no to both, it's probably a dumb question. <laughs> but that being said, I I know I've helped you out. I, I'm also helping Olivia Whistle out. I'm, I helped Joseph Cerigli out uh, when he was first starting out. Um, I'm kind of helping along with Jacob Seelman, uh, helping... Uh, Cole Kuzumano, Briar Starr. Uh, granted, Jerry Jordan's helping them too, but I just, I've always liked to help people. It doesn't matter where, when, how. And in part of that, it's because going all the way back with my family, uh, there's people that I wish I could go and thank, people that I wish I could go and meet that helped my family out years and years ago, decades ago, that I know I'll never meet. So it's kind of my way of repaying the favor, paying it forward. And granted, it's not the same people, but it's my way of helping. That's in part why, at least, my day job is at a uh, Mitchell Community College here in Mooresville, North Carolina, uh, as an administrator in the tutoring center. Granted, I originally took that job as a tutor way back when because I was a student there, and I turned that into eventually. Uh, an administrator position after I graduated because honestly, it was close by with mom's health the way it was, uh, in 2018. And it, it's an easy job, it's frustrating right now. Um, there's things I want to say about it that I can't, but um, yeah, it, it's a good way to give back, it's a good way to help people, and it, it keeps me fresh as far as whether it's math skills, chemistry, biology, history, etc., which a lot of that I also use in a, a lot of the NASCAR stats you see me posting on Twitter or in stories each and every single week.
0: You're, 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 you're like an unlicensed, <laughs> I don't know if st- statisticians are like licensed, but you're basically like, you know, it's, it's nuts and do like In a way, would it be unfair to call you almost like a philanthropist in terms of just, like, (laughs) helping opportunities and stuff? Like, in a way, it almost seems like that. And Especially, you know, I know you've had a a really hard couple years, past years, you know, personally. Yeah. And all you you do is just give back. It's awesome, man.
1: Well, the way I've always looked at it, and this is even before I was in the industry, that NASCAR is a big family. Granted, a dysfunctional family but a big family nonetheless. So uh, the way I see it is I'm not just helping a friend, whether I'm helping you, I'm helping a brother. If I'm helping Olivia whistle, I'm helping essentially a little sister, so to speak. Uh, And no offense, Olivia, if you yell at me, I understand. But uh, the point of the matter is I just like helping people. And I guess you could say a philanthropist mentor, however you want to word it. Um, also, just you know, where for me, I try to do a mitzvah, a, a good deed, each and every single day. And it's because of that. That's another reason why I try to help people, whether it's through advice, whether it's uh, direction, or whether it's literally helping them with a math class or a history class.
0: No, it shows that it's something you're passionate about for sure. I mean, even back to like I don't I don't remember how we met, but even like back when I was still like a teenager <laughs> uh, and like you're helping me with iRacing uh, racing. Stuff, I was gonna say know?
1: I I remember how we met. Uh, it was a certain Facebook group.
0: I thought that was it, but I was like, yeah, it, it I don't was, know why some like iRacing racing stuff crept in. I'm like, well, was it iRacing? Well, racing? Well, he, here's how that?
1: here here's how it was. It was that Facebook group.
0: We're gonna un, then, unknown unmentioned Facebook group. Yes, we've shunned them.
1: Yes, and. You, myself, uh, Gabe Wood, Zach Passon, Henri, I think it's Henri, it might be Henry, uh, Durand, um, we all were on iRacing. We made this separate group chat because we were all on iRacing wanted to race together every now and then. So that's where the iRacing came in. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: How How old is that group chat now? We got to be pushing five years old in that group chat.
1: You know, I can try to see. I don't know if it if uh messenger still shows when I go to the info when it was created.
0: Now, for the 99.99% of people that have not in that group chat watching, every single big news story in (laughs) motorsports, the first way I found out was people in that group chat. You know, everything, hey, it wasn't
1: always me, it was not always me. I'm it wasn't always you. Yeah, I'm good. I want to say that... I'm good. Yeah.
0: You, you go. You go. There's that little delay that lets us talk over. But I mean, everything from Jimmy Johnson retiring to like Ryan Newman is still alive. Like, <laughs> you know, that night in 2020, every single big news thing was broken in that group chat. And it's like, I, for me, like, I think about it, like, Grip like, group chat's low-key a fundamental part of my life, and there's like six of us. <laughs> six or seven of us. Yeah, it's
1: six or seven of us, and um, I can't find when it started, but I know it started before I was a media member, so it has to at least be eight years old.
0: Is it that old? Yeah, it has to Holy be at least eight years old. <laughs> yeah. That's literally like a th- <laughs> more than a third of my life. <laughs> so we started iRacing oh in that group chat um well a Facebook group you did a lot of like the trivia nights and stuff too
1: I did and I remember uh the admin of that group I often <clears throat> pissed off because i would be correcting him on some of the stats or trivia that he had and Long story short, uh, we said we shunned that group essentially, the Facebook group, not the group chat. Uh, In part, that kind of is what, I guess, started me leaving that, plus also me becoming a media member and trying to take things more seriously and uh, family stuff and everything. I needed that mental break, so to speak. So I left that group chat there, well, that Facebook group. I didn't leave the group chat with you, Gabe, and a few others. Um, Kind of same thing happened recently for me with uh, Monday Night Racing. I left one of their group chats because I just needed that mental break. Uh, Didn't like some of the things that were going on. I'm not going to name names because it's not fair to certain people in that. And I don't really want to disparage the league too much. Because, again, some of the opportunities I have only came about because of that league. But at the same time, there's things that I haven't liked. And there's been things that I've had to do uh, in order to compete each and every night uh, they ran. And honestly, I was making myself sick. Uh, There's other leagues that I'm looking into running. There's like FTF, for example, which is Justin Malillo's league. And kicking tires uh, does sponsor some races in that, but uh, it it works better with my schedule, and it's probably going to be better for my health long term as well.
0: Yeah, so like, I think um, if a lot of people like follow the Monday Night Racing League, which I don't know too much about it, but I know there's some huge names that run that.
1: Yeah, there's huge names that run that. Um, it was. <clears throat> Honestly, we have to turn the clock back to 2020. Uh, what happened was uh, Rob Diamico from uh, the Big Green Egg uh, hosted a media members mayhem race, which was all various media members, street stocks at Charlotte. Qualified fourth? And I was in third or fourth fourth on the final lap when uh i bounced off the apron hit dylan welch and dylan welch uh i guess rage decided to rage quit by wrecking me in the entire field i think three quarters of the field passed under me while i was flying through the air <laughs> but um <laughs> a couple people that were in that race ford martin then from fox sports and paul sutton then from um I know some marketing or PR firm, I forget what it was, but they dealt a lot with uh, Mobile One and Mobile One Racing, and they co-created Monday Night Racing, and the original premise was it was for media members and people in the industry, as in crew members. By midway into season one, uh, we had brought in, uh, or well, they had brought in Ryan Vargas, and from season two on, there's been more drivers, where it's Garrett Smithley, whether it's Parker Klingerman, uh, Dale Jr. making a couple appearances. Kyle Busch sponsored the league for a season. So uh, you've had a lot of big names. Uh, Anthony Alfredo comes to mind as well. Uh, but it's not the only league that has all of these pro drivers in it. Uh, UFL, Untitled Friends League, has a lot of pro drivers, whether it's uh, Corey Heim, Brandon Brown, Tony Breidinger, Jesse Love, uh, Ryan Vargas, etc. And then you also have Core, which is a little more oriented towards people who are streaming, basically an influencers league. But a lot of these drivers also do stream. So you do get a Ryan Vargas in there from time to time. You do get a... Uh, David showed how to. I think it's the VP at now at Alpha Prime, if I remember correctly. Uh, so you have a lot of these big names. Honestly, and again, this is not to disparage or to call anyone out, but there's probably some that maybe we're taking it a little too seriously. Granted yes, iRacing is the same, yes, it's a league with a championship and payouts and stuff like that. But honestly, the toxicity maybe could be toned down a hair. Um, And again, that's not directed towards anyone specific. I'm not going to sit here and do that. Um, But at the same time, I will say that league has gotten me opportunities that I would not have had if it wasn't for that league, uh, I got several exclusives with Ryan Vargas last year. Um, I got a couple of interviews with, um, well, Brandon Brown. Kicking Tires already had a deal with, but I got some you know extra interviews uh, with him, in part because of that, in part because of the kicking partnership uh, he had at the time. And I know I've also gotten some connections, whether it's with Roger Karout, whether it's with. Uh, I really haven't used all of them per se, but I know uh, Garrett Smithley recognizes me because of that league. So there's connections and there's people that I can turn to for an interview that if it wasn't for that league, they might not know me or might not know me as well. Granted, I know my skill level. Season one, I was like top five, top ten most weeks. This most recent season, I'm running faster lap times than I was in season one, so I've at least improved in that. But I'm running top 30, top 35. Granted, there's a lot of good people in that league, which you know, that's good for the league. But it's also frustrating for me as a competitor to know that I've improved but yeah, I'm further down the running order.
0: Yeah, it's so, like no fault of your own either. Yeah, It's like you know, like, you know, that's kind of like the whole reason this podcast is just like, just media members. Oh, yeah. I, oh, hope, yeah. I really hope it doesn't follow the trajectory of that league where it's just like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, just once we can have <laughs> Ryan Vargas come on here. But actually, Ryan would be a good one, though, because and, he does do media.
1: Yeah, he does do media. He's done, uh, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, he's done some uh, broadcasting on iRacing, and he's also uh, been <clears throat> on the International broadcast for uh, NASCAR for the Xfinity series, and I think and he's for the also, Cup series as well.
0: He's also like TikTok famous. He's like the yep, face of NASCAR on TikTok. It's,
1: it, I was going to say that's one reason why one of the stories last year I wrote was uh, on his social media prowess, and he's actually gained a handful of sponsors through that social media connection, plus through iRacing as well. Which you know, kudos to him to be one of the first to really cultivate that. I mean, yeah, you could say Josh Wise with the Dogecoin Reddit stuff years ago, and yeah, you could say there were a handful of others, whether it's um, GoFundMe, uh, like Kenny Wallace comes to mind uh, when he was sponsored by the U.S. Border Patrol, except they couldn't sponsor him when the then-Bush series raced in Mexico and Canada. So he would have his fan club or which was essentially well i shouldn't say a fan club but you get the general idea so it's one of those where fans and uh local sponsors and this and that do take notice on social media and uh there was one story for vargas last year at richmond the uh, the first richmond well Xfinity only had one Richmond race, Uh, but the first Richmond race weekend, he had mentioned that he didn't have a sponsor. And there was this one company, uh, Williamsburg Contracting, if I remember correctly, happened to notice and asked him about, you know, what they could do to sponsor. I think they paid for his tires that weekend, and they were eventually on his Xfinity car at Martinsville later uh, in the year. And I believe they're going to be on his truck for a handful of races this year. So social media is powerful. Uh, I always say, you know, anyone who ever asks me um, to be careful what you say on social media. Uh, I know from well before I was a media member, uh, granted, I was always careful because I... I work at a college, so you know it's one of those where I, I already have to walk on eggshells. <laughs> yeah, I already had to walk on the eggshells, but at the same time, there were a handful of moments here and there on social media that uh I remember that maybe I could have handled better. Um, but that being said, uh, learning from those experiences is one part of where i am now i mean it it blows my mind that i have like 3500 followers on twitter i mean that that many people want to hear my opinion on things um it's humbling it, it really is and it's something that i'm not perfect at uh i don't try to be perfect either though i just try to be myself and be authentic Uh, Granted, if you go to follow me on social media, you're probably going to see one of six things, and that is NASCAR content, which is first and foremost NASCAR Motorsports, Uh, music, video games, history, dogs, because of my dog downstairs, uh, who thankfully is not parking right now, (laughs) Um, and family. That's the main stuff I talk about, and it's the main stuff that I've always talked about. Uh, Granted, on occasion, you might see a little bit of outside stuff here and there. Like, um, there was something a while back about, uh, it has to be about a year and a half, two years ago. uh, There was this entertainment company, uh, Rooster Teeth, uh, which they own like Achievement Hunter and stuff like that in which one of their employees turned out to, um, let's put it this way, he's been shunned from that company for good reason.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I actually commented on that on social media and since then I actually I actually don't even watch that company anymore per se, which is kind of Odd for me to say, because it's something that I grew up with. Um, God, I started watching it in two thousand eight, around when it was created. Uh, if anyone has ever heard of uh, this, the web series Red versus Blue, uh, it was basically a machinima animation uh, of uh, the video game series Halo. I grew up watching that from 2008-ish. And I basically fell out of love with this company because of that one person in December 2021. So 13 years of my life. So that's almost half. Or actually a little under half. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so weird that like, you know we both grew up in the like age of the internet and social media like even more so me just because i'm a bit younger than you and (laughs) it's it's not normal for everything you say to be on record you know (laughs) like you know if i grew up you know without like the internet and stuff and something i said is like an elementary school or you know people forget but like You know, if you had a bad day or bad wording of something from 10 years ago, I could come back and bite you. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. There are people uh, on Twitter that I'm friends with, that I'm in a group chat with, that do go and look up to see what some drivers may have tweeted uh, 10, 12 years ago. In part, part of me, Part of me wants to see some of that to try to help the drivers learn or see if they've learned from their comments from 10, 15 years ago. And part of me knows that it's also old news, if that makes sense. Like 10, 12, 15 years ago, you could almost argue was a slightly different culture.
0: Oh, it's definitely and, a different culture.
1: And because of that, what was said then may not be acceptable now or vice versa. And because of that, I don't view all of it as a negative, but I view it more as a learning experience. Um, and again, this is right, wrong, or indifferent. I try... To look at it through an objective lens, not a judgmental lens, and in part that's because of you know my family history and everything that I've gone through that my family's gone through over the years. Like you said, you know it, it's not normal for most people to have their stuff on record. Unfortunately for me, and it's, I'm not even saying because I worked out of college. Uh, or that I work at college. Unfortunately for me, most of my stuff, you know, family wise, it's always been somewhat on record. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when I say I try to do a mitzvah every day, that's Hebrew. Um, I am Jewish. Uh, and uh, Sam, you probably know this, whether you remember it or not, but. Uh, I know I've mentioned it in that group chat before uh that my sister was assaulted in when she was in middle school in 1998 um so from that you know I think that court I don't know if that court case is even still going on honestly since mom passed because she was the one taking you know care of all of that but the last I heard that court case was still going on so there's still things that you know if I Great, I've written about it once, but if I were to write about it, I have to watch what I say because it's on record. So um, there's things that I've always had to kind of watch what I say or who I talk to or what I talk about. Um, yeah, I was going to say this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned in the group chat but or written about but because my sister was assaulted and certain threats that were made, my family has always been required to have a uh, caller ID since 1998. That, Why is that? Because of threats that were made against my sister and oh,
0: my right, family
1: because we're Jewish. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's one of those things. Um, Granted, caller ID really wasn't much of a thing back then. Uh, so, it, it and it called if I remember correctly, it cost money back then too. Um, So it was one of those where, I forget if it was a court order or not, but because I was so young back then, I was uh, five when my sister was assaulted, five or six, something like that. So I didn't know a lot of what was going on until years later. Like I knew certain things, but just because I knew it doesn't mean I comprehended what it meant. And to put more context to it and why, you know, it was as big of a deal as it was the two girls that, assaulted my sister were the granddaughters of the head of the Hitler Youth of the camp my grandmother was in. Yeah, it's funny how the world works sometimes. But it's one of those, and I hope I didn't just get your podcast to monetize or at least this episode with that. Yeah. But But anyway, um, it's one of those where I've always had some sort of adversity to go through, whether it's both of my grandparents surviving the Holocaust, whether it's my sister being assaulted, whether it's mom's heart condition, whether it's now dad's Parkinson's, Um, I've never known what a normal life per se is and in part that's made me who I am today and one reason why I like to be as helpful because I've always been taking care of someone whether it's helping take taking care of my sister whether it was taking care of my mom for just shy 17 years whether it's now taking care of dad uh, it's just something that's always been there for me and it's something that feels natural for me because i essentially grew up doing this so whether it's helping give you advice whether it's giving uh the multitude of other people uh i was gonna say somebody else that comes to mind that uh i didn't think about at first who's who i think he was in our group chat at one point and you know has been in and out of it uh, louise uh, Luis Torres and he's somebody else that I helped I remember I remember being at More Sports Tribune in 2017 and Luis had reached out to Joey Barnes who owns More Sports Tribune about uh, doing photography and writing for them and he had told me about it and I said yeah, I'll talk to Joey and I messaged Joey and he uh Joey called me up saying he literally just emailed me how do you know that i'm like oh I, i've known Luis for like four years you know and he and i were chatting and i i know i put in a good word for him there i put in a good word for you at uh uh the podium finish i know it's something that i recognize either the same or the similar determination passion that i had when i was coming into the industry uh I remember the first year I was writing for Motorsports Tribune. I wrote a lot. I'm not really a fan of the stories I wrote back then. Um, 2017, uh, Joey Barnes, I don't want to say shipped me off, but he kind of uh, loaned me out to uh, Matt Weaver and to basically get a crash course on the proper writing style. And uh, I wrote for Short Track Scene that summer uh, covering the summer shootout and Weaver and I were actually joking at Daytona a few weeks ago that uh, A, he was surprised at how well Legends Car Stories did for one, and for another that he has to laugh because all of the names that I covered are now the ones that he's covering in Late Models or in ARCA or in the Truck Series, (laughs) whether it's uh, Sammy Smith, Chandler Smith, Isabel Robusto, um, Roger Carruth, Brad Perez. I mean, you name it, they were all there at one point or another in the summer shootout. So it's kind of funny that uh, I kind of gave him this glimpse into the next generation to come.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure uh, you are covering them as they make their NASCAR careers.
1: Oh yeah. And uh there's stories of you know races that I watched uh in the summer shootout uh that there's one that if I remember correctly, Gracie Trawler had one and this was her second win. They only had one green flag lot. Oof. <laughs> That they ran out of time. Oh so, my goodness! Yeah, and then That's girdle. but still, the 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 point of the matter is, I got to see a lot of these drivers that are coming up that people haven't heard of. Like uh, I've often talked about Isabel Robusto in uh, the NASCAR Media Corps and talking to people and they're like who is she and I tell them all these different stories and they're like oh okay well we'll have to watch and it's there's people and I'm again I'm not going to call anybody out specifically but I remember talking with uh editors I've had that there are people that all they focus on is NASCAR 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 it's only been since COVID where there's some there are paying more attention to late models. That there's people paying more attention to dirt. Uh in part that's because of Kyle Larson and his gamer word moment. Um, but in part it's also because since COVID, motorsports overall, for the most part, is working closer together. Granted, there are some series that, like F1, that are a little more elitist, maybe a little more gatekeeping, but overall, as the saying goes, uh, rising tides raise all ships, uh, which I do believe that. Granted, there's parts of it that i am skeptical about which you and i have talked about whether it's um whether it's the f1 popularity whether it is certain things that other series are talking about doing or have done or will be doing and some of it is just because it's changed it's different other parts of it is because there's signs that maybe they should be going in a different direction Or maybe the fan base just isn't understanding where they are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, again, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but IndyCar, iRacing, Motorsport Games, that whole thing that's going on, there's parts of it that I know and I understand that when it's explained it makes a little more sense but at the same time there's parts that i still don't understand so i don't try talking about it because i don't want to put uh, my foot in my mouth so to speak and say something that is wildly inaccurate or wrong
0: and that, that takes a very like mature person to do because like we live in this world that Headlines are the story. Well, in a way,
1: yes. But I've always had the philosophy: I'd rather be right than be first. And the reason why I say that is, I've seen plenty of people, not just in motorsports, but whether it's uh, like local news, politics, uh, business, etc put something out and it'd be wrong. Um, a, a perfect example of that is this past weekend, or well last week, when ABC tweeted that story on Jesse Woodie.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah that saying that
1: yeah, saying that he was a NASCAR driver and Hall of Famer. Granted, what they meant by Hall of Fame was he is a part of the military and motorsports exhibit at the International Motorsports Hall of Fame at Daytona. The way they worded the tweet, though, it reads as if he's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I understand how that mistake can happen.
0: Especially if you're unfamiliar with the sport. Yes,
1: yes. But, again, this is one of those where I'd rather double, triple, quadruple check what I'm writing than to be the first one to have it out. Granted, I've broken a few stories over the years. Um, I think the first story I ever broke was uh, John West Townley getting a waiver after he had that concussion in 2016. They didn't break another story until 2019, which... um, it was Danny Bone uh, and his plans to run full-time in 2020, which, in tr- in the Truck Series, granted, that got derailed by COVID, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, and then the most recent thing I broke had to have been... It had to have been... Uh, one of the exclusives Ryan Vargas gave me in which he was um, becoming a board member of the Faces uh, charity. Granted, yes, he announced it, but uh, and, you know, he asked me to wait like five, ten minutes after uh, he had announced it to actually post my news or, well, my news story on it. It wasn't until like eight o'clock that night that I realized he gave it to me as an exclusive because no one else wrote about it. So that was All kind right, of man. uh I was gonna say, well, well, here's the thing. You say poor Ryan. Again, I I I have to credit Monday Night Racing for this, you know, for getting to know Ryan the way I do. Uh I was just hanging out at home that day and I get this text message, hey, do you have a few minutes to chat? And I'm like, sure what's it about and he goes and proceeds to give me the entire story so i don't know if i was the only one he reached out to or if i was the only one who saw it as a story but there are incredible opportunities that i've had as a media member that i never would have had if and it's funny uh my, because you know we we joked about you know the uh generic questions that some podcasts have uh, at the beginning of this well, where, oh where'd
0: you get your start <laughs> what, what's your favorite track i i
1: joke i joke about this often i might have one of the more unique stories and uh journeys to where i am now because funny enough, like we were talking about earlier with that uh, group chat, Saturday uh, around iRacing, my journey started with iRacing back in 2011. Um, I joined the service, you, you know, on the sim, uh, and I was on this team. Except I had a shit computer. <laughs> like, it runs some tracks. But others, the frames, if I were on track, were horrible. So I basically had relegated or the team relegated to me, yeah, you know, that I would be the spotter. And they nicknamed me spotter Seth. And I wanted to actually try to run and I wanted to compete. So my idea was: well, if I can't run the cup car, let me run the indie car. You know, let, let's see if we can start an indie car part of the team. Well, I go and I start running the Indy Car, And I find that, you know, I don't have any issues with frames or graphics or anything like that. And I grab the attention somehow of uh, these two brothers, Matt and Ray Kingsbury, who run, at that time, Last Lap Motorsports. And they offer me a spot on the team. I'm like, well, at least I can be competitive with someone. So, yeah. So I left what was then known as the Professional Sim Racers Group, PSRG, and I joined Last Lap Motorsports. Fast forward to today, the other members of PSRG include Malik Ray, who is a current Coke Series driver, Paul Keiser, who is a current Coke Series driver, Ooh. Steven Esney, who is a former Coke Series driver, John Adams, who is a former Coke Series driver. Um, Brandon Traberco, I don't know what happened to him.
0: And then Seth, who is a former PSRG driver.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and there's one other um, who I don't know how to word it, but uh, I know he's a, more of a YouTuber now. I don't know if he's still... So... I think he... Honestly, I think he might... I don't know exactly what happened to him, so I don't want to speculate. But I know he's a YouTuber now. Uh, Austin Oganoski.
0: Yeah, he, he's, he left Iris in a couple years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's that. And I end up on Last more Motorsports. And after about a few weeks, you know, us getting to know each other and me saying, oh, I work at a community college and stuff like that. Matt and Ray come to me mentioning that they write for what was then in Racing News, covering the IndyCar series, but they were about to go and start college. And knowing that I was in a community college I had more time, they asked if they wanted to recommend me to take over for them. I was like, yeah, sure, you know, they were going to pay me in iRacing credits uh, in Racing News.
0: As one does.
1: Yep, and I couldn't afford to get more tracks and more cars, so it's like, okay, this is a free way to get cars and tracks. Well, fast forward four years to twenty fifteen. I'm still writing for what was then rebranded iRacing News, covering the IndyCar series on iRacing, and it just it came natural to me uh i happened on to jayski one day in 2015 and uh what was then known as popular speed was doing a contest in which they wanted people to submit like a story or an essay for a developmental journalist program So I applied, thinking, eh, maybe I could translate the iRacing stuff into real world. I get accepted into it. In the five months I was there, I was only allowed to write one story. <laughs> That's tough. And then um, stuff starts going on with mom's help, so I took a step back. And then in 2015... Again, later in 2015, in December. Mom and I go out to eat. And I'm scrolling Facebook on my phone. Uh, granted, I'm connected to the restaurant's Wi-Fi. Because uh, at that time, Sprint really wasn't that good in Mooresville. Even though they sponsored the Cup Series. Um, but I'm scrolling through Facebook and I... Happened on to what was then known as tribute racing. And they had an ad. Asking if anyone would be interested. In writing about NASCAR. And I was. I looked at mom and I showed her the phone and said should I do it. And she said "Eh, why not the worst I can tell you is no. So the next day. You know, after I send them some of the stuff that I've written, the only thing Joey Barnes actually liked was the story I wrote for Popular Speed, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of funny. They only let me write one story. That's the one story that gets me a spot at what becomes More Sports Tribune after Matt Weaver helps him rebrand. And I end up with More Sports Tribune. God, it has to be about a week later they hire me. Um, and then, funny story, the day after they hire me, I get an email from Team Valvoline. During the time I was not doing any media, I entered a fan contest because I was like, hey, I'm not doing anything and not expecting to win. The email from Team Valvoline you've won tickets to the 2016 Daytona 500. <laughs> <laughs> so my last race as a fan was the 2016 Daytona 500 with my sister. Um, and I was very upfront with more sports tribune about that uh, because again, this was kind of in that area where I didn't know what I was going to do. And there was even a moment where I questioned my fandom of the sport because of stuff that I experienced, which I have written about on kicking the tires. I actually won uh first place in columns in 2020 2021 20, 20, uh, NMPA uh, writing contest. Um but yeah from there I was with Moore Sports Tribune through October 2019. The night of the it's Roval race that year. At that time, I really haven't mentioned this to a lot of people, but I was starting to question what I wanted to do in 2020, whether I wanted to continue with More Sports Tribune, where I wanted to try something on my own. And I go to go and grab uh, dinner at uh, this Italian restaurant that is by the track that I'm a big fan of uh, called Carafalo's. However, because of construction that was going on on uh, the road, I couldn't get to the restaurant. So it's like, you know, I still want Italian. There's an Olive Garden a mile away. I'm going to go to that. So I walk in. And the host, you know, asked how many. I was like, it's just me. Is there a spot at the bar? And I go, I sit down about a minute or two later. In walks Jerry Jordan, Chris Knight, and a few other media members. And they say, why don't you just tell them to send your food over to our table and come join us? Well, long story short, after I joined them, Jerry starts talking about esports and being an esports writer. And I look at him and I'm like, you know I got my start in that, right? A week later, he hires me as the esports editor, kicking the tires. (laughs) So if it wasn't for that construction, I wouldn't have been at Olive Garden, and I wouldn't have gotten hired by Jerry Jordan. <laughs> I mean, it's strange how life works sometimes, right? It,
0: I, I feel like every media person I've ever talked to, they always have just this one story that's <laughs> like that. It's just like the stars align. Yeah, you know, it it was it was 30 in the morning at Waffle House outside <laughs> of Dover, and. You know, this it's hilarious how that is. And but on the contrary, you know, we were talking about social media and stuff, you know, you have you had this, you know, experience where like the stars align perfectly, you know, and I feel like most media members have that in common. Social media has opened the door. I feel like it's more accessible to, you know, be able to Get your foot in the door, especially like in the NASCAR community.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree more accessible with that. than I, ever. Yeah. I'm in part I I would point to social media for uh whether it's Taylor Kitchen, whether it's Olivia Whistle, whether it's uh hell even you uh getting into the industry, uh in some way, shape or form, whether it's through podcasts and vlogs and photography or writing or just how I mean I've said this before and I've said this to multiple people that I am a fan of new media and what I mean by that is whether it's uh, content creators on TikTok or vlogs or this or that and the reason why I say that is to quote Ryan Vargas it is not 2005, it's not 2006 anymore. Simply writing a story and I'm guilty of that. Uh, simply putting a sticker on a car. Simply doing the same thing you've done for decades. It's not the only way to get a message across. And it's not the only way or the best way in some cases to attract an, attract an audience and also, quite frankly, to get paid. And... <laughs> The the reason why I say that is look at Ryan Vargas. He and I know I'm using him as an example a lot, but he's one of the best examples of it. Uh he when he was sponsored by TikTok, he put TikTok logos on all of his iRacing cars. Then he did the same with um Swan Security. Then he did the same with uh, Williamsburg Contracting, with uh, Critical pack Security, with you know this company, that company, and then the next company. To a certain point, it's not really charging them extra for that extra content. It's kind of just a bonus. But at the same time, it does give these companies an added area to look for an ROI, a return on investment. So yeah, when it comes to
0: value
1: yeah yeah so when it comes to new media there's some that do it very well um I look at whether it's Taylor Kitchen Ash Vanderlay um Danny B talks Brockbeard NASCAR men
0: yeah
1: uh th- there's yeah. some cool. Eric step is one that he's gotten a lot better that's how I word it and no offense to Eric I'm not trying to pick on you But um, you have gotten a lot better uh, compared to uh, essentially what I saw in 2018, 19-ish. And some of that is because new media is so new, you kind of have to learn to get to a certain point, whether it's ethics, whether it's respect, whether it's just general knowledge. And there's some that they have good moments, then they have moments where it's like, why did you tweet that? And I think you and I uh, have a general a idea. There's a lot there's, of those. There, there's a, I think you and I have a general idea of some of the people that come to mind for that. I'm yeah, not going to yeah, name yeah. them because I don't want to call people out.
0: Uh, we, yeah. We're,
1: we... <laughs> I, I'm not that kind of person. No, <clears throat> oh, I know. But again, it's one of those where, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm working on a story on Brockbeard and NASCAR man on how Brock
0: they're preserving
1: how on how they're preserving NASCAR history one video at a time.
0: Brockbeard is a top ten media member in the yeah. NASCAR circle, and nobody talks about him. top five even.
1: Yeah, uh, all I'm waiting on is Brock to answer the questions I sent him. Then I can put the story together and publish it. I'm working I can't on wait to read
0: that. Yeah.
1: I'm also working on, and this is in part thanks to um, the North Carolina All-Racing Hall of Fame, uh, where I've covered their uh, Stocks for Tots uh, charity event every uh, winter. Uh, They're putting me in touch with uh, Bobby Allison for a feature. Uh, Bobby Allison, if I remember correctly, is a board member there. But um, yeah, their Stocks for Tots... uh, Charity event, which it's run by Don Miller, who used to be the president at Team Penske way back when. Um, It benefits local children, uh, specifically ones uh, that have suffered from uh, child abuse. And let's see, last year they had somewhere around 70 drivers come and just sign autographs for two hours. And I don't mean just NASCAR. You had uh Herb McCandless uh NHRA basically Hall of Famer. You had NASCAR drivers, you had uh, IndyCar drivers. There's there's this fun story I have from that. Uh Will Power is seated next to Austin cindric and Brandon Brown. And there's this couple that come in with this painting from the 2020, uh, I think it was 20. Yeah, it was 2020 uh uh brickyard race, the uh one that AJ won uh the cup race and Will Power won the IndyCar race. And they presented to Will for him to sign. It's already signed by AJ. And Will was blown away by that. And he's just you know inspecting the painting. Austin had been talking with Brandon he takes a sip of, like, it had to be Gatorade or something like that, then he turns and he looks and he's like, wait a minute, and he starts shouting, you're missing a car. You're missing a car. Where's the car from Saturday? Because Cindric had won the Xfinity race. But all that was in the painting was Will Powers' indie car and AJ's Cup Car.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it was this
1: genuine moment and you could tell Cindric was just joking and just doing banter you know the mess with uh will power it and he, after uh messing with will he looks at them and he's like did you paint this <clears throat> it, it was a painting by a Warwick Rogers I believe but um it it was some just a, you had this unique moment that you wouldn't have had anywhere else. And it was genuine. It was some good personality. And what I was going to say, I don't think I put this in the story that I wrote because I didn't get it on uh, audio. But after that, after they walked away, because on the other side of Brandon Brown was um, Noah Gregson, Noah leans over and said, you should have made them an offer for the painting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it, so you had all these different personalities. I remember, um, I think Ryan Vargas got there a little late, but he stayed like an hour after the event was supposed to end because of how many fans were there, how long the line was taking. And he just continued to sign autographs and sign autographs and sign autographs. Uh, Martin Tricks Jr. wasn't even on the list they came. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, that was a nice surprise. You had, after Noah Gregson, it was Ryan Newman, who's on the board of the North Carolina All Racing Hall of Fame. Then it was Don Miller. And then it was Martin Truex Jr. Uh, and you didn't just have drivers, too. You also had some media members there signing autographs, including Bob Pockrus, Matt Dillner, um, Jesse Punch. So you had all yeah, this.
0: Everybody's there.
1: Yeah. And I just go there to cover the event because it's a good story and it's also an opportunity to get some audio, whether it's for, you know, just stuff for the winter or for Christmas or, in my case, I was able to get in touch while I was there with Ron Hornet for that burnout feature that I wrote. So if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have had any quotes for that or I would still be waiting or maybe have caught up with a hornet, you know, uh, sometime afterwards. Uh, the, I like telling stories that other people don't talk about or don't tell, and a part of that is because, and as you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, with my family having survived the Holocaust, uh, my grandfather was in. I sometimes get them mixed up and I apologize, but my grandfather was in Auschwitz, my grandmother was in Bergen Belsen, and seventy family members entered the two camps. Oh my god. Nine only nine survived. And a lot of that history and my family history, after I get back to my grandparents it's a black hole because a lot of the documents didn't survive. So there's stories that I'll never learn about that. I'll never hear about Uh, mom knew a lot of it, but a lot of it, she didn't tell. So when she passed, a lot of those stories disappeared with her. Um, And my grandfather passed in 2008. My grandmother passed before I was born. Uh, so there's stories that I've never heard, that I'll never hear. And I know I'm not the only one. There's millions of people whose stories that will hear some of it, maybe whether it's a survival or through, say, the um, various Twitter accounts uh like the Auschwitz Museum, the Holocaust Museum, that will tweet a photo and a brief story saying who this person was, where they were born, and what happened to them. And this is something that I've always wanted to do, and in part I kind of have this opportunity to do it now, is to tell stories that people don't hear and in part one of the things I had been doing before NASCAR media took over racing reference. Um, I had been contributing through uh, Vincent Delforge uh who was the lead statistician there. I would look up r- random drivers. Uh, while I had downtime at uh, the college that I work at, I would use... Some of their databases, again, you know, during some downtime, especially during COVID when there was no students allowed on campus. So (laughs) it's one of those where I kind of had no choice, but I had to occupy my time somehow. I'll use their databases or the third turn or motorsport stats or driver database just looking for information or even an ultimate racing history looking for information where it's birth dates, uh hometowns, nationalities, or in some cases some missing DNQs and stuff like that for races. And I would send them in to uh, Vincent. And there's some races that uh like if I remember correctly, the 1971 season finale at Texas World Speedway. Uh Before I sent uh, what I found on Ultimate Racing History to Vincent, there were five drivers that withdrew from the race that were not listed, including A.J. Foy. And they withdrew because NASCAR and USAC were going back and forth as to whether they were going to allow their drivers to compete in the rival series.
0: Mm.
1: yeah so again it's something that it wasn't included Uh, and there's a ton of uh, drivers that are on Racing Reference right now or at least I think they're still there because I know there's a ton of changes going on there Um, that the information is only there in part Because of all the work, not just myself, but several others have done. But uh, I remember talking to Vincent one day. And I asked him out of curiosity if he knew how many drivers or races or information, you know, that I had submitted that, you know, added to the wealth of knowledge on racing reference. And he flat out told me he stopped counting after he reached 175. Yeah. And I was going to say, some of the information is just as trivial as the average speed of a race. Uh, granted, that isn't always you know the most important thing to know. But, um, I mean, here's a, one of the fun fact kind of things I can say because of that research. The fastest NASCAR race ever, time-wise, was a NASCAR North series race. Not Bush North, North. And it was a 15-minute race. Caution-free. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Where was it? Where, what track was it?
1: Uh, Monadoc.
0: Oh yeah, the truck is tiny. It makes yeah.
1: sense. So but again, it's just one of those quirky things in history that it wasn't listed. And I happened you know to be scrolling through races. I was like, okay, what is missing info? What isn't missing info? What can I find? Again, during COVID, there was so little going on at the college that I was like. Let me see if I can find a newspaper article. Uh, I remember one of the last things I helped update before NASCAR took complete control of the site was the cautions uh, at a 1958 race at Bowman Gray Stadium. And all that was known uh, by racing reference was how many cautions there were and how many laps were run under caution. Well, I found this newspaper clipping that said what what lap one caution was and when they went back green. And then what lap another caution was. And based on that, I was able to do the math to figure out how many laps both cautions were and where they were and who was involved. And I sent that in it's one of the only races from, well, I shouldn't say only, but one of the few races from uh, the 50s that you could go back and look at and know how many cautions and who caused the caution because there's so little info from the early days of NASCAR, especially pre 1961 ish.
0: Yeah. And, that, and it goes back to like that time, you know that's kind of on topic but um you know it reminds me a lot of the whole airbase speedway that whole thing that slapshoes yep. did yep and yep. it's just like it's incredible what happens when you simply just dive in on a super specific subject and all of a sudden this thing that seems lost in history is like well we can tell you everything you need to know about it
1: yep um like Airbase Speedway is probably, I would say it's probably one of the bigger reveals, I guess would be the way to word it, in recent NASCAR history as far as... Next to LW, right? Well, yeah, which uh, definitely credit to Rick Houston. Yeah, definitely credit to Rick Houston and... um, God, I can't remember his name now. Uh, The other host from uh, Scene Vault. Um, but if it wasn't for them doing all their research, we may not have, we may not have found the real LW right. The reason why I say that is there was a uh NASCAR youtuber and his research was very good. However, the LW right he found wasn't the correct LW right. Like everything he had it, it matched up circumstantially but unfortunately it just wasn't the correct one so but there are other stories in NASCAR history that are unknown that aren't told that haven't been told whether it is for example there was a race in at Martinsville in I think it was 57 I want to say in which about 150-ish laps in it started raining and it got so bad that they stopped the race on lap 200 and Bill France Sr. instead of uh, you know opting to run it the next day because of the way the forecast was uh, called the race then, and instead of having to issue refunds, declared that race to be a 200-lap race, and rescheduled a 500-lap race to four weeks later. So we literally got an extra race, just because of uh, Bill France Jr., uh, or sorry, Bill France Sr., Uh, in part probably not wanting to give refunds.
0: (laughs) You can never do that now.
1: Yeah. Um, There was also another NASCAR race I want to say was at Savannah Speedway in 62 which was called before halfway. And to my knowledge it is the only race in NASCAR history that was called before halfway in which they gave half points and half the prize money. Huh. I did tweet about this last year when uh, the Xfinity Kansas race was called after Stage 2, which was technically before Halfway. But with the current rules, you don't have to reach Halfway. You just have to reach the end of Stage 2. <clears throat> um, There's other stories as well. Um. Bill Rexford is the 1950 champion. He's the only cup champion currently eligible for the NASCAR Hall of Fame that has never been nominated or inducted. Granted, he only has one win. He only has one lead lap finish. And he also in part won the championship because of a Uh, points penalty that Bill France Sr. gave to Lee Petty for competing in a rival series.
0: Pardon me, but that's very bad. I won't.
1: (laughs) I know where you're going with it. Um, it, I think it was something like a 908 point penalty. Holy cow. You have to realize you have to realize back then the amount of points you earned was a certain percentage of the amount of money you earned. So, he, uh, the points penalty was the amount of money he earned in the rival series. So, Big in that, when Big you put it into perspective like that, it makes a little more sense.
0: Big Bill is such a crook sometimes.
1: <laughs> he yeah. Such
0: a filthy businessman sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Overall, it's a huge net positive. But, I mean,.
1: Uh, so, I mean, uh, another random stat that I know, and in part, this is also thanks to the NC Auto Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, there's one manufacturer that has started multiple NASCAR Cup Series races that's also completed zero laps.
0: I feel like I know this.
1: <laughs> you didn't know this was going to turn into a NASCAR trivia, did you?
0: <laughs> I feel like I
1: I have tweeted about this before
0: yeah I forgot who it was you told you you specifically told me about this and I forgot Tucker what was it
1: Tucker the manufacturer was called Tucker huh. I want to say it was Detroit and Monroe uh Detroit it broke an axle on the pace laps. And Monroe, it broke a transmission after taking the green flag.
0: And that's why nobody's ever heard of Tucker.
1: They also only made 48 cars.
0: Ooh, tough.
1: Although the one that was raced in the Cup Series was restored to its uh, essentially showroom uh, condition. It's now on display at the Toyota Museum in Japan. Yeah, so fun fact: there's a NASCAR Cup car in Japan.
0: Just chilling. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, you're a historian, (laughs) journalist, writer, my my label of philanthropist. you've done all these sayings, especially to come out with a, you know, a smile on their face, especially I know the last years have been tough. And like you said, you've dealt with a lot of adversity. It's, it's impressive. It's inspiring for you to come out on the other end and, you know, do all that you do. So you've given me millions of dollars in advice, not actually <laughs> like it. Well, priceless advice. Uh, yeah. uh,
1: the, the way I look at it is, I never tried to compare what I've gone through to the hardships that anybody else has gone through. Um, And granted, I do talk about from time to time like how I did today about what I've gone through. But at the same time, and I'm going to quote my mom on this, there's always someone worse off. And what, what she meant by that was you don't know what somebody else is going through. And you don't know it, whatever they may be going through might be better or worse than what you're dealing with right now. And through that, God will never really, and this is if you believe in God, so uh, for anyone uh, out there who doesn't, you know, everybody is entitled to their own beliefs, but um, God will never give you more than what you can handle so has there been things over the past few years that I wildly wish could have gone differently yes de- most definitely are there things that no matter how rough or how tough they were do I appreciate what it's taught me or where I've gone with it? Yes. Um, for example, uh, since we were talking about iRacing, I was, I had paid to attempt the racer event, the Carnomaly 500. However, this was in the run up to, uh, the open heart surgery that mom uh, was going to have in January, well, February 2020 uh, one um, and when it was finally scheduled I opted not to run that event because, you know, take care of mom and how uh, the uh, the day of her surgery was a week before that race was supposed to be. Um so I'd emailed ERacer, which that's owned by uh Parker Clearman and Landon Castle. And I asked them if there's a way that you know I could get a refund explaining everything that was going on instead of a refund, they gave me a $25 credit to use that in a future event, which I used that to attempt their Firecracker 400 later that year. If I didn't back out of that event because it was an open setup event on iRacing, I probably would have spent hours upon hours trying to make a setup to attempt to qualify, let alone race. Instead, I got to spend that time with Mom in uh, some of her last days. And it's something that I'll never forget because if it wasn't for E-Racer uh, paying me back, essentially, uh, with that, uh, knowing everything that I had going on, if they didn't agree to do that, I probably would force forced myself to attempt to run that probably was either embarrassed myself or been a huge mess because of the headspace I was in to be complete honest, but, um, there's decisions like that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you can see some of the diecasts I have behind me. I have a very big collection and I'm not going to show it on the podcast. Granted, most of these drivers that you can see right here are retired. Um, this one is actually the one that I ran in Monday Night Racing a couple seasons ago. Yes, I have Bubba Wallace's iRacing car here, and I have multiple drivers. Uh, just looking around, I have an Alan Kowicki one literally right next to me. I have a Matt Kenseth one. Uh, I
0: have a shelf of 100 yeah. just off screen next to me.
1: Well, here's the thing. I counted. I know how much I had based on the spreadsheet that I have, I know how much I had before Mom's Health started taking a turn in 28, in October 2018. Of those that were on that list uh, in 2018, I had to have sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 to 350 of them taking care of her. I know where I'm at right now with how many diecasts I have, and I'm still somewhere around 150, 170 away from that peak that I was at. Um granted, you know I've uh I have diecasts of drivers that mom was a fan of, that dad was a fan of my sister is a fan of. Uh, I have some from way back when, from when I was simply just a fan. Um, But some, in in a column I wrote uh, early last year, there's a lot that I've never talked about. More because I don't want people feeling sorry for me. And the reason why I say that is, like I said earlier, where there's always someone worse off, you don't know what somebody is going through. I don't want to take that attention away from somebody who truly needs it. Uh, I went through grief counseling in July and August of 2021. And it did help me quite a bit. I on occasion i still have a moment here or there um but the thing about it is i i just don't want to be that guy and you know what i mean like i said i I'm, i might be rambling a little bit here but um i don't want to be someone that because if i talked about everything that i always have going on it it would at times it would almost sound like a broken record just because like i said earlier whether it's my grandparents and the surviving the concentration camps whether it's mom with her heart condition my sister being assaulted in middle school uh dad's parkinson's uh my own health stuff uh losing my grandmother late last year you losing a cousin late last year uh and then general hate that we deal with on a daily basis to a certain point uh like uh i was talking with a colleague of mine from kicking tires in daytona i have over 1100 accounts blocked on twitter Oh, my gosh. All for virtually the same reason. I'm sure you can probably figure out what that reason is.
0: Yeah, man. That's not okay.
1: So when I said I backed out of the Monday Night Racing group chat you know, for my own mental stuff, it, none of that was going on there, thankfully. And I don't think any of them would have ever do something like that. That being said, with the amount of stuff I have going on, I do try to open up, whether it's in like our group chat, whether it's uh, a couple of other group chats I'm in, uh, there's there's one which, uh, granted, this is a little bit of an inside joke for us, but it's with a couple of other media members, uh, and we're, we all live somewhat around the Mooresville general area, so we nicknamed our group chat "Discount Dirty mo Posse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we all live in in or around the Mooresville area, but we're not as cool as the actual the, Dirty mo Posse. It's the dirty. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no, son. We have dirty Mo at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, I open up in group chats like that just because it's people that I trust. People that. I know are there for me, whether it's our group chat uh, on Facebook, whether it's this group chat that I mentioned on Twitter, um, or even a couple of discords them, in, whether it's uh, the FTF discord, the, the legends of the future discord, et cetera. And it's something that by opening up to a select few people, it allows me to outlet that I'm not holding everything in, and that's another word of advice I'll give anyone: is don't let whatever is bothering you fester. At least tell somebody, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a teacher, uh, uh, or just somebody you know that is there that can lean. You can lean on whether you're just venting. Or whether it's a truly, a truly emergent, or even if it's just a trivial issue, uh, just because if you allow it to fester, it will eat away at you. And a part of that is why I went to grief counseling in 2021 uh, after losing mom. I was in a little bit of denial. Not that she was gone, but I was in denial as far as everything that I did to try to take care of her. And I let it eat away at me. And one day I just broke down crying. And the next day I reached out for grief counseling. I was in grief counseling in about six, seven weeks it wasn't much, but it was enough that it did help. Um, mental health matters, regardless of who you talk to, what people think, because you never know what is going on in somebody else's head. And the worst thing you can do is to keep pushing them, uh, sometimes even in a positive way because sometimes it's it's not that they need a push more so that they either need the space to be able to figure things out or they just need somebody that will just sit there and listen, not somebody that will sit there and talk.
0: That that's the thing, man. It's in you know mental health is not something I really understood for most of my life until really the last like two or three years. And you know. And people, like, I've seen people say, like, all you ever see online is, you know, mental health awareness, crap. And I'm like, yeah, because people, you know, for some people, you know, now it's almost a broken record to see it for, you know, people like you and me and people that are aware of it. But, I mean, even myself, I wasn't really aware of how important it was until the last, like, two or three years, you know. <clears throat> uh,
1: something... I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the record uh, before. Last year, when I went back up to my hometown, New Jersey, because that's where the cemetery that my grandmother uh, was buried in for uh, the funeral, it brought back memories from when I lived up in New Jersey. And apparently one of the uh, funeral home hands is someone that I knew from my time in elementary school and middle school in New Jersey. I don't know if I would be here right now if we didn't move away from New Jersey. I And I've said this to like two, other, two or three other people. I don't know if I would have done anything stupid or anything like that. I don't know if I would have done anything drastic. The one thing that kept me going was where I was the one taking care of mom. That if I wasn't there, who, who would take care of mom? And that's what kept pushing me to stick around. And then we moved down here to North Carolina. And I hadn't thought about those things. Outside of finding a piece of paper that uh, I butchered the spelling of multiple words. um, uh, When we moved from one house to another down here. Outside of that, I hadn't thought about that stuff until i have gone back to my hometown for that funeral and I'll be back there probably later this year for the unveiling of my grandmother's headstone but um that's how negative things were there and I'm not just talking family but just general bullying and stuff like that um I mean, how the person who recognized me when I got back here to North Carolina, there was a Facebook message from that person with the quote, we all thought you uh, killed yourself. Where have you been? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's the kind of stuff I dealt with In elementary school and middle school. Especially in middle school.
0: Kids are harsh, man.
1: And granted. To a certain point, it's character building. And I, I don't disagree with that. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for some of that stuff. But at the same time, there are people who went too far not just with me but with others and I mean you read it in the news every now and then there's one there's a story recently of someone who 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 took her own life and it's not okay to do that stuff I mean granted when I'm talking middle school I'm going back to 2004, 5, 6. So it was a different era. A vastly different culture. Thank God social media really wasn't much of a thing then. Um, I, I can tell you this much. If social media was a thing then. And I had to deal with all of that. I, I, I probably would not have been able to handle it. And this is really the first time that I'm talking about this. I've like I said, I've told a very select few people about this before. Uh Jacob Seelman, who I consider one of my best friends in the industry, and one of my mentors. Uh Gabe Wood, again, one of my one of my best friends and good friends in the industry. I love Gabe, man. Yeah. Gabe's awesome. <laughs> um oh, man. and that's about it. I mean, I hell, I never even told mom or my sister or my dad about this.
0: Yeah, never even told the family What?
1: And it's one of those where I'm not telling you just because it it's where we ended up in the conversation. It just if it just feels like it's time to start talking about certain things. And I mean, I'll be honest, I was reading that story earlier today. That That's one of the other reasons why it came to mind and where we are in the conversation. And I honestly believe that if, I mean, it was kind of my insistence of moving down here too because uh, I did not want to be in the same building that my sister got assaulted in. So um, it was either I was going to end up getting homeschooled or we move, So we ended up moving. <laughs> so um, in part, it's my own fault. I'm, you know, uh, everything kind of happened too. So um, there's that, which is actually kind of funny, you know, thinking about it, you know, in that way and in hindsight. But I I did have those thoughts years and years ago and it wasn't until recently that I even remembered having those thoughts. It, I'm pretty sure if I'd gone back to my hometown and one of the employees of the funeral home wasn't someone I'd gone to school with, I probably still would have had those memories suppressed. Um... I'm not entirely looking forward to going back to my hometown later this year. Uh, granted, I know things are going to end up being fine and stuff like that. But I also the other thing is the cemetery. I The, the way the, my hometown in New Jersey is, you have the middle school, high school. You have the elementary school I went to. Here's the cemetery.
0: Mm.
1: So you have to pass both depending on which way you go to because there's only one road into the cemetery and one road out so um, either way I kind of have to face those memories in one way shape or form and I know you probably weren't expecting to end up in this place on this show (laughs)
0: Um, it. I'm I'm happy that you've been able to like open up all about this, you know, and
1: yeah. Uh, again, this is something that I've never. Some of the stuff that I talk about, what and when it comes to podcasts or stuff like that, when I'm a guest, I like to be genuine. I like to be myself, and sometimes that, you know, things just. I don't want to say spill out, but we just get on to a topic like, uh, I was on uh, the Podium Finish podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking NASCAR, Daytona and everything. And I brought up that Frankie Munet story that I wrote. And it was just because we happened to be talking about Daytona, and we happened to be talking about uh, Earnhardt's record at Daytona. It's was like, you know something about Earnhardt and we end up going down that ARCA, Frankie Munez uh, at least having tested the same car certainly uh, Marlin had driven at Daytona all those years ago. We ended up going down that rabbit hole. Um, so it's kind of funny how some things end up and just pop up randomly. Um, no, I'm, I'm glad
0: we got I, rabbit holes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get inundated with some messages uh, once this podcast goes out. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be prepared for some of them. Um, Because this is a little bit of a side of me that I haven't opened up about before. There's certain things that I'm still keeping close to the vest. uh, Some of which I've talked about in our, our group chat before. Uh, Whether or not you've picked up on it uh, in that chat or seen it, I'm not sure. Um, And some stuff which I have told select people privately uh, Mm -hmm. about different things, whether it's health, whether it's uh, other stuff, which again I'll open up when I'm ready to, so to speak. But there's also things that I don't know if I'll Ever mention? Um, in part, that's just because of I I like showing what I have going on and family and stuff like that. But there's also things that I don't like people knowing too much about, and I'm sure you're the same way on certain things.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're an open book. You're obviously an open book, and. <laughs> that's admirable especially in you know face of such scrutiny and all the things you can oh. get from that
1: well i kind of take after mom in that sense and the reason why i say that is uh mom could become best friends with a stranger after like five minutes just chatting about different things and uh Meanwhile, dad is very closed and reserved. I'm kind of in this middle where I can be a very shy person to somebody I don't know at first. But after I start getting to know them, it's like I've known them for five years.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I can I can go from like, you know, all closed up to being just like, yeah, so here's my work, worst, starkest memory. And it's been like 15 minutes if you know, you can just you could just gauge the person. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually have to record another podcast immediately after this. So we should oh. probably. Re- yeah. probably- <laughs> no, no, dude. yeah. No, no, I did. dude, Love. I love how this podcast turned out. So obviously, like I said, many times you've given me so much advice. So to any aspiring journalists, writers, what's a piece of advice you could give to somebody getting into this.
1: Oof. A piece of advice to get into this. Um...
0: Like, where does one go?
1: Well, one of the places I I have mentioned in the past is whether it's Motorsports Tribune, the former outlet I've written for, Kicking the Tires, the outlet I currently write for, the podium finish where you've been a photographer for. They're all good outlets to help new people coming in, like uh, Olivia Whistle, for example, who's currently with Kicking Tires, I know she was doing a little bit of stuff with um, I think it was Skirts and Scuffs or something. Uh, it was some outlet in Canada and then came to us. Uh, Cole Cusimano who was with In the Pits News was is now with us at Kickin'. Um Luis Torres started out at More Sports Tribune uh, even short track scene I would say uh, with Matt Weaver because all of these smaller outlets are good training grounds. You know, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes when you're first coming through. Uh, For example, uh, a mistake I made, and this was with Sports Tribune in 2016, I didn't realize the finishing order of the race had changed because the race uh, finished under caution. So I wrote that um, I think Daniel Suarez had finished fifth. He finished fourth, but the thing is, I put the fish fifth in the title. Mm. So everybody was correcting that. No one's going to be perfect, especially their first time out. But um, don't hesitate to ask questions. Like I like when we started out this uh, podcast. In my belief there is no such thing as a dumb question. The only dumb question is the one you do not ask. And why? again, to quote Moody, do you have to be the one to ask that? And is it one to ask? Um,
0: That's a great quote.
1: And I was going to say, you can kind of tell who I look up to in the media, whether it's Jerry Jordan, my boss, whether it's Dave Moody, Mike Badley, uh, Kelly Crandall, Matt Weaver. Uh, these are all people that the way I kind of started out, even before I was media, I know you have to record a podcast after this. So I'm trying to make this. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, uh, the way I started out during downtime in high school, in computer class, uh, after I finished my work, I'll load up j and I'll go to the links section and I'll just read each and every story that was on there. And that's a good way to get an informal training uh, in journalism. Uh, that's kind of how I learned, and I like to think of my style of writing as a little bit of a mesh of Jacob Seelman, Matt Weaver, Kelly Crandall, Pete Pistone, um, Al Pierce. I could go on and on. And I doing that today could probably still work. I mean, my degrees in history hence to all the historian stuff i've done um i had started a communications degree but i backed out to take care of mom um so i don't technically have a formal training in journalism it's just what i've learned
0: and, from and that's that the lever. thing yeah that's the thing if you if you're listening to this and you think you need if you want to be a photographer a writer like you would you need a good... Especially photography. Don't go to college for that. <laughs> writing, writing I, it's a little more applicable, but, but it's still a skill set you can learn I, on your own. The,
1: the way I look at it is, and I've said this, I actually said this to a uh, driver I was interviewing in 2019. At least go to community college and get a degree in something. That way, no matter what happens, you have something to fall back on. And that's just my personal opinion. I know college is not for everybody. I, I know one of my colleagues uh, does not like college or the idea of college is. <laughs> but again, you know, just my personal opinion, at least have something to fall back on. You never know what's going to happen in life. You never know what curveballs are going to be thrown at you. And again, you don't always need that one extra thing to put you over the top.
0: No, that's, that's some great words of advice, man. And I know you share and you're an open book. I know you'll answer your questions. People tweet at you. So where, where can we find you? Where can we find you on social media?
1: Well, on Twitter, I am at Seth Eggert 91. Yeah. I believe I'm the same on Instagram. I'm still getting the hang of Instagram after all these years. I wasn't always the, the most active. Uh, yeah. On Twitter, I'm Seth Eggert 91. On Instagram, I'm Seth underscore Eggert at 91. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh I know I'm on LinkedIn. Um I know I started a Mastodon account, but I can't get into it. Oh, huh? <laughs> uh apparently they say that my email address is wrong, which I don't understand, but okay. Um but yeah, the, the main places you can find me is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh I I know I'm on LinkedIn. I don't do the best of checking that um, well, one. I'll admit that. Um, I also, granted, I'm also in the National Motorsports Press Association. I'm their social media manager for 2023 and 2024. Uh, I'm, you can find me on Discord. Uh, let's see, why am I on Discord? I believe I'm uh, just Seth Eggert on Discord.
0: Yeah, I can put that in a description as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can message
1: that one to you uh, because that one, I know, can be a pain to look up. Uh, yes. um, Seth Eggert number 0875 on Discord. Alrighty. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was going to say, you can find me just about anywhere on social media, just about.
0: Alright, so all that information, whether you're streaming on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever the heck you're on this, that all that information you can find Seth on will be in the description. Seth, it was awesome catching up with you, my friend. We'll be in touch. I'll be in touch pretty shortly. He's, he's oh, oh,
1: oh, yeah. And I have a fine feeling we'll eventually have a
0: part two. All eventually. Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But alrighty. Seth Egger on the Sam Dre show.